Tonight, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Acts, the book of Acts tonight, and we, uh, we've been in a study on the Holy Spirit for a little while now, and then with the Christmas holiday, we, we uh, took the opportunity to teach a little bit around the, the, the Christmas story, but uh, boy, there's still some important, important things that we left untouched when it comes to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And, and so I really felt like, uh, at the leading of the Lord, I felt like we needed to, to sort of pick up where we left. And I'm, well, I'm glad because I believe we've still got some, some things that are going to be very, very beneficial to us. And, and so uh, specifically tonight, we want to talk a little bit more about what we're calling the typology of the Holy Spirit. And so Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles, and when you find your place tonight, why don't we stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word? Acts chapter 2 and verse number one, most of you know this is a scripture that's talking about the day, of, uh, the day of Pentecost. And so look at Acts chapter two, verse one. The Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they, the apostles, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Now we talked about that several weeks ago. Uh, how that uh, the Holy Spirit is a type or wind is a type of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Notice verse three, the Bible says, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. Now, uh, that word cloven there just simply means divided or partitioned is what it means. In other words, when the Bible says that cloven tongues of fire came, it means that, that, that the supernatural fire divided. The supernatural fire um, partitioned itself and it fell on each individual apostle. So the Bible says in verse three, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Just, just, you know, for what it's worth, that word tongues there is the Greek word glossa. Now, we, we've heard the word glossary. It's the word glossa. And it means a language, but it means this. And I like it. It means one naturally acquired. In other words, what our Bible is telling us is this, that on the day of Pentecost, when these apostles were in the upper room, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came and, and it, he came in fire and that fire was cloven, it was partitioned, it was divided, and that fire went to each apostle and the Bible says that they spake in tongues, but it wasn't some kind of a... It wasn't some kind of a gibberish. It wasn't some kind of a even, a, even a heavenly language. It was a language that was naturally acquired. In other words, they were getting ready to preach to all the different ethnic groups there in Jerusalem. And those groups were going to be able to understand in their own language what was going on. So that's what our Bible's talking about there in Acts chapter 2. But let's talk about that a little bit tonight. The Bible talks about the Spirit of God as fire. And so we're going to look into that a little bit tonight. You may be seated and we're going to teach for a little while tonight. And uh, I hope this will make sense to you. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. And then we'll jump right into this tonight. Lord, we love you. And thank you so much for the privilege, Lord, to, to be here tonight. It's been a wonderful day. It's been a wonderful week with the revival. And uh, Lord, we just, just appreciate your blessings 
And uh, Lord, we're going to be better. I'm going to be better because of this service tonight. Lord, it's been such an encouragement. The congregational singing, the choir. Lord, tonight, thank you for the way you anointed the choir and the great special that Miss Mandy, uh, Lord, just sang. And so, Lord, I pray now that our hearts have been prepared and I pray that the seed of the word of God would fall on very fertile ground tonight. Holy Spirit, help us and uh, fill us and use us to glorify the Son and to be a blessing to your people tonight. Touch us, Lord, and I pray, Father, that you might do this. I pray that you might bind the powers of darkness and God, keep them away. Keep them away from this people, this preacher, this place. And Lord, I pray that you'd keep your blessings within. And Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you do. For we ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, if you've been a part of our, our series, we learned several things about the Holy Spirit, a number of things. But when we talk about the typology of the Holy Spirit or symbols, the symbols uh, used in the Word of God for the Holy Spirit, we talked about three so far. We talked about wind being a type of the Spirit of God. We talked about water being a type of the Holy Spirit. And then we saw that the Bible likens the Holy Spirit to a dove. And we gave you several reasons for all of that. But specifically tonight, I want to ask, answer this question. Why is it that scripture likens the Holy Spirit to fire, to fire? Why would the Bible do that? Um, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter three, verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so the, the, the scriptures liken the Holy Spirit to fire. Um, we mentioned this a number of weeks ago, but it's also why the scripture warns us against quenching the Holy Spirit. Uh, we find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 19. The Bible says, quench not the Spirit. Now, why? Why does the Bible say that? And I'll tell you why. Because Scripture likens him to a fire. And just in the same way that you can quench a fire, you can quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 4. Now, I'll have you turn to some places in just a few moments. But Isaiah chapter 4, verse 4, the prophet Isaiah said it like this. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst, thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of a burning. Um, Luke chapter three, verse 16. The Bible says, John answered, saying unto them, all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of, of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so again and again and again, scripture likens the Holy Spirit to fire, to fire. Now, why is that? Um, and uh, we often say this, you know, uh, sort of in a sarcastic way, but inquiring minds want to know. And when I read something like that, I want to know. I really do want to know. Why does the Bible liken the Holy Spirit to wind? Why does the Bible liken the Spirit of God to, to water and to a dove? But I definitely want to know why does the Holy Spirit or why does the Scripture liken the Holy Ghost to fire? Well, I'm excited about giving you a few thoughts tonight, and I believe that this will be a help to you this evening. How about this? Number one, fire is a type of God's passion. Fire's a type of God's passion. Now, look back at our scripture now, Acts chapter two, and I want you to see the natural progression, or maybe I should say the supernatural progression, but look at Acts two, verse one. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, 
Notice this, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. Notice the next line, verse four. And they, the apostles, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And so the Spirit of God comes on the day of Pentecost and he comes upon the apostles and the Bible tells us that they are filled with the Holy Ghost. I want you to notice what happened once they're filled with the Spirit of God. Turn over a, a page or two to Acts chapter four and look at verse number 31 with me tonight. Acts chapter four and verse number 31. And I think we see something, uh, not a natural progression. This is definitely a supernatural progression. But uh, look what happened when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter four and verse number 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And then the Bible says it again. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And look what happened. The Bible says, and they spake the word of God with what? With boldness, with passion, with boldness, the Bible says. Now, same chapter, but I want you to go down a couple of verses and look at Acts chapter four and verse number 33. And here we find an amazing verse, Acts four, verse 33, the Bible says, and, and with great power. Now, if you like to mark your Bibles up, I wanna encourage you to underline those two words, great power, and with great power power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Now you say, pastor, why do you want me to, to underline that? Well, that word power there in Acts 4.33 is the Greek word dynamis, D-Y-N-A-M-I-S, dynamis, dynamis. Um, you could say it like this, and with great dynamis, uh, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't have to tell you, you know, we get a name or we get a word from that in our English language, and it's the word dynamite, dynamite. And, uh, and so here's what our Bible is saying, that the apostles uh, literally were preaching the word and sharing the word with TNT power, with dynamite power is what the Bible is, is, is saying there. In fact, in fact, church, I looked this word up and really studied this out. And the word power there, dynamis, means this. It means a power that would normally consist with an army or some type of a great force or a host. Now, again, I'm just trying to, trying to make a point here that once God places his Holy Spirit inside the Christian, you know what happens? The fire of the Holy Spirit provides a passion for, ser for serving Jesus Christ. By the way, I encourage you to do this later in your devotions. Read through the book of Acts and you'll find out that these apostles that were filled with the Holy Ghost, you know what? They never lost their passion. They never lost their passion. Somebody says, well, it was the day of Pentecost. There was a lot of supernatural things going on. And, and I'm sure after that, you know, they, they, they sort of lost their zeal. Read through the book of Acts. And, and in fact, you'll find that most of the apostles, with the exception of the apostle John, most of the apostles gave their life for the cause of Christ. Most were martyred. Most lost their lives because they were so passionate about serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is, my, this is what I'm saying. When a Christian gets filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit, they become passionate about living for God. That's what I'm saying tonight. Listen to Luke 24, verse 32. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us 
while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. And we pay, pay tribute to this verse this morning, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse number nine. Uh, verse number nine. Then Jeremiah said, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. Now again, why does the Bible liken the Holy Spirit to fire? I'll tell you why. Because fire is a type of God's passion. We see that over and over and over throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament that, that, that sometimes God exhibits himself through fire. Why? It, it, it represents his passion. And when you get filled with the Spirit of God and you yield yourselves to the Holy Spirit, you know what's gonna happen? God is gonna give you a passion that you've never had. I believe that. By the way, church, you know what I believe? I believe this might be the missing ingredient today. I believe it's why Christians are quitting. I believe it's why they're, 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 out, they're falling by the wayside. I, I believe it's why uh, people who claim to be born again, claim to be saved, uh, man, you got a big barn still just trying to get them in the house of God nowadays. And, and uh, listen, it ought not be like that. I'm telling you. Somebody says, preacher, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just telling us tonight that if we would get concerned about getting filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you know what's gonna happen? The fire of God is gonna burn in your soul and your spirit and God is gonna give you a passion for serving Jesus like you've never had. You're here tonight. Some of you young men feel like God's calling you to preach. You say, Pastor, any advice? How about Bible college? I think that'd be great. I think that'd be a, a good thing for you to do. How about Bible study? Absolutely, you ought to study your Bible. How about spending time in prayer? You ought to spend time in prayer. I told one of our preacher boys the other day that Really, a call to preach is a call to walk with God and fellowship with God. But I'm gonna tell you something, preachers, if you want passion, if you want passion, Bible college is good, but that's not what will give you passion. Let me tell you what will give you passion. When you get alone in the pee patch somewhere or out in the pine thicket or get in your car and just go drive somewhere and you say, Holy Spirit of God, I need you. I need your touch. I need your breath. I need your help. I need your anointing. I need your feeling. Uh, and when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, hey, he'll give you a passion for serving Jesus Christ. Hey, man, I like that. Man, fire is a type of God's passion. But there's something else here. Number two, look at this. Fire is a type of God's purity. Now, why does the Bible liken the Holy Spirit to fire? Fire is a type of God's purity. And, and by the way, church, this is still going on today. Fire was used and still is used to purify and sterilize. Listen to Psalm 12, verse six. The Bible says the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. The idea is, is this, that, that spiritually speaking, they have been, uh, they've been put in the fire and, and they're pure words. Proverbs 17, verse three, the Bible says the fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. And so fire purifies and fire sterilizes in the same way. Did you know it is God that uses his Holy Spirit to bring purity into our lives? May I show you that? Would you take your Bibles tonight and turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number six? Oh, I love this. 
I love the passage I'm getting ready to give you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Man, if you mark your Bible up, circle these verses and <laughs> circle these verses, underline them, highlight them. Man, this is good stuff. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And look at verse number 9. And Paul says to the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, he said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And then Paul says this, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Oh my. Look at verse 11. And such were some of you. Boy, don't ever, listen, church, let's don't ever get on our high horse. We're all sinners saved by grace. And when you see somebody fall, don't you get down on them. Because, friend, it might be you next time. And whatever grace you, whatever grace you give out might be the grace you're going to need later on down the road. But Paul, boy, Paul makes a very bold statement. And he says, all of these these people, these sinners, these wicked people that I just mentioned. Paul said, and such were some of you. But look what he says. But ye are what? But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified. That word sanctified means set apart. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Look at this. And by the Spirit of our God. <laughs> You say, preach, why are you so excited? I'll tell you why I'm so excited. Because thank God, I get to teach you tonight about the Holy Spirit because I know something about the Spirit of God. That is the Holy Spirit that brings about purity in your life. Sometimes people, before they get saved, they'll think, well, preacher, I, I can't live the Christian life. You're right. You're right about that. You can't. But he can and when he comes inside and, and uh, takes up residence in your, your body and you become the temple of the Holy Spirit, he begins to live the Christian life through you. And somebody says, Pastor, I've got this issue in my life and, and it's been with me for a long time and I just can't seem to get, I can't seem to get by it. Uh, what, what's your advice? Get filled with the Spirit of God. Because when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your body and the Holy Spirit begins to, to reign in your life, one of the things that he does is he begins to clean you up. He begins to clean you. He begins to purify you. He begins to, spiritually speaking, he begins to sterilize you. Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we are bound. Paul said, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. And so it's the Holy Spirit that cleans us up and purifies us. The Holy Spirit is that one who helps you stay clean. You say, well, how, do, how does he do that? Well, you know what John 16, 8 tells us? John 16, 8 tells us he is not only our companion and our counselor, but he is most certainly our convictor. And when we are really saved, and we talked about this in Sunday school class this morning, but when you're really, if you're genuinely born again and the Spirit of God is living inside of you, you won't be able to do the things you used to do before you got saved. Amen. Not without it bothering you. 
I'm not saying you're not gonna stumble. I'm not saying you're not gonna make a mistake, but I'm just telling you this, that if you're genuinely saved and the Spirit of God is living inside of you and all of a sudden after you get saved, you use some words you shouldn't use, let me tell you what's gonna happen. The Holy Spirit's gonna come and the Holy Spirit's gonna whisper in your ear and he's gonna say, you know you shouldn't talk like that. You know that's not the way saved people talk. You You know that's not the kind of places saved people go. You know that's not how saved people treat other people. And by the way, boy, how many are glad for the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Boy, thank God. How many times have I given him the opportunity to give up on me, but he didn't give up on me. And he continues to to convict me. Hey, listen to Titus chapter two, verse number 12. The Bible says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Somebody says, preacher, how do you expect us to live right in the world we're living in right now? It's called the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. You say, but pastor, there's wickedness on every side. There's wickedness all around us. How in the world can, uh, can, can anybody expect us to live for Jesus? It's called the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God brings purity in your life. How about Titus chapter two, verse 14? The Bible says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Listen, church, it is the Holy Spirit that God uses to purify you concerning your talk, concerning your dress, concerning your behavior. Hey, listen, have you ever done this? Have you ever been driving down the road or you're at work or something, and all of a sudden a thought popped in your mind, you thought, whoa. And something, and something said, you shouldn't be thinking things like that. You know what that is for the child of God? That's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. And thank God, fire is a type of God's passion and fire is a type of God's purity. But hear me out. We're almost done, but please hear me out on this last point because it is so important. Number three, and last of all, I want you to understand that fire is a type of God's presence. Now, we're gonna turn several places tonight. So I want you to, first of all, turn over to the book of Exodus Why does the Bible liken the Holy Spirit to fire? Well, fire is a type of God's passion. It's a type of God's purity, but fire is a type of God's presence. Now, interesting story, Exodus chapter number three in your Bibles tonight, Exodus chapter number three. And I want you to find your place in verse number two. Exodus chapter number three, verse number two. The Bible says, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, unto Moses, in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he, Moses, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire. Look at the next line. And the Bible says, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And so somebody says, pastor, I've always heard about this burning, this burning bush. Why is it that the bush was not consumed? Well, one of the reasons is because this was not normal fire. 
This was a fire that burned in this bush. This was a fire that represented to Moses the presence of the Lord God Almighty. And so it is with the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God represents the presence of the Lord. Now, you're in Exodus. Turn over to the book of Numbers. And I want to show you something that's pretty interesting and something I believe is going to be a help to our church tonight. Numbers chapter 9. Numbers chapter 9. And I want you to look, if you will, at verse number 15. Numbers chapter 9 and verse number 15. God has come to Moses and said, Moses, I want you to, I want you to build the, the tabernacle. And he tells Moses exactly how he wants it done. And Moses puts it together just like God says. And look what happens in Numbers chapter 9 and verse number 15. The Bible says, and on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony. And at even, at even, there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of what? Of fire until the morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Now, let me tell you what's going on here in the Old Testament tabernacle. The fire, the Bible says, the fire hovered over the tabernacle by night. And let me tell you what that said to the Israelites. It said this that Jehovah God is present. God is present. God is here. Why? Because the fire of God was hovering over the tabernacle of the Lord. Did you know in the same way you and I, we feel the presence of God because we have the Holy Spirit that's placed inside of us? And the Spirit of God is a, uh, is a type of God's wonderful presence. Now, uh, with that in mind, let me show you one more thing. I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 40. And look at this church. Exodus chapter number 40. I'm giving you just a minute because I want you to see this. Exodus chapter 40 in your Bibles. Now, when you find Exodus chapter 40, I want you to look back up here just for a moment and we're gonna go to our scripture in just a moment. There's something the children of Israel knew about this manifestation of fire. They knew that what made the tabernacle, oh yes, boy, don't miss this, whatever you do. They knew that what made the tabernacle so special was not the badger skins that covered it. They knew the thing that made the tabernacle so significant was not the poles or the rings or the ropes that held it to the ground. They knew that the thing that made the tabernacle so important was not even necessarily some of the furniture that was inside the tabernacle. It was definitely not the priest that was in the tabernacle. But the Israelites knew something. They knew that it was the manifestation of fire that made the tabernacle so special. Listen to this. If the fire was present, you know what the Israelites did? They stayed where they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. But if the fire disappeared, they knew it was time to move. Look at it in your scripture, Exodus 40, verse number 34, verse 34, the Bible says, then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode their own and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Look at verse 36. 
And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But, but, if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day and fire was on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Oh my, I think we learned a great lesson here and I'm done. Can I tell you what makes Calvary Baptist Church stand out? It's not our order of service. We do have an order of service. We all know it is subject to change if the Lord decides to do something else. We have an order of services. Some churches don't have an order of service. Some, you know, I, I'm not, I don't mean this critical in any way. Some, some, some churches, you know, they just walk in and uh, preach will say to the song director, well, you got anything picked out yet? Got, got a song picked out? Song director says, man, I don't even know where my book is. Where's my book at? I don't even know where my book is, you know. And, and uh, I mean, they just, you know, they don't really have a certain order of service. Anything like that. And by the way, that's, that, that's them and not us. And, and we're not being critical of that tonight. Uh, but I'm just saying this. We have an order of service at Calvary. That's not, what, that's not what makes us special. You know, one of the things that God has blessed us with at Calvary, man, God has given us some gifted people, hadn't he? Isn't it amazing? I was thinking about it tonight. I mean, one person slid in, played the piano, they slid out, another person slid in, they slid out, another person slid in, they slid out. And they just keep sliding in. I mean, one time they're playing a guitar, the next time they're playing a mandolin, the next time they're playing a banjo. I mean, they're up here singing. They're in the choir. I mean, God's just blessed us with amazingly talented and gifted people. But I want to tell you something. That's not what stands out about Calvary Baptist Church. It's definitely not the preacher or the preachers. I'm so thankful that we have beautiful facilities that God's blessed us with at Calvary, but it's not the facilities that makes us special. It's not our location. You know, years ago, preachers came through here and they said, Brother Pope, you got to get close to the population. You can't grow here. You can't grow here. You've got to move. You've got to get closer to the town. You've got to get closer to the city. Uh, you need to talk to the church about moving. And, and God just never led us that direction. And we just stayed here and kept on preaching and kept on praying and kept on visiting. And, and boy, look what God has done. Amen. Amen. But I want to tell you what, it's not our location that makes us special. It's not our name just because we are Calvary Baptist Church. This is where I'm going, church. The thing that makes this church so different is that the fire of God is here. Amen. That's what's so different. It's not the preacher. It's not the choir. It's not the choir director. It's not the pulpit. It's not the furniture. It's not the microphones. I'm telling you, the thing that makes this church so special is hallelujah. The fire of God is here. That's what makes it so special. Now I said that, say this. If that fire ever disappears, we better get the moving. And we better figure out why. You say, we're preaching, if we just keep on getting talented people in here, no. Talented people is not what it takes. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do, Pastor. We'll just, you know, we'll just put a, a large pastoral staff in here and guys that can just preach the paint off the walls. Nope, that won't do it. You know what's gonna happen for this church to be something significant, the fire of God's got to be here. And why? Why, Pastor? Because that fire represents 
his presence. Boy, we're done. How many are glad that very often we come in here and we feel the presence of the Lord? Old story, old story. Little boy was out. He was flying a kite. Kids don't fly kites much anymore. They got too many electronic games and all that kind of stuff. But back in my day, we flew kites. In fact, back in my day when we flew kites, we came prepared to fly high. And so we would bring not only one spool, but sometimes we would pack two or three more spools in our pockets. And on a good kite flying day, man, we'd get that kite way up there. and We'd get it all the way to the end of that spool. We'd tie on the next spool and then we'd get it out. And then you tie on the next spool and you know where I'm going. And boy, sometimes you'd get that kite. I mean, it's up there. Well, this little boy, he was doing that. He's flying this kite and he had already tied on two or three more spools. And man, that kite was way up there. And he was just so proud of himself and he's flying that kite. And a guy came along and said, hey, sonny. I said, what you doing? He said, I'm flying a kite. Oh, he said, I'm flying a kite. And the man looked up there and he said, I don't see it. What'd you say you're doing? He said, man, I'm flying a kite. And he said, are you sure about that? He said, I sure don't see it. How do you know you're flying a kite? He said, because every once in a while, I feel the tug. I feel the tug. And boy, I'm so thankful we can walk into this place. And very often, we feel the tug of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Wow. Man, if that didn't encourage anybody else, it encouraged me tonight. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for giving us of your precious Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, would you give this church a spirit-filled preacher? And God, would you help this to be a spirit-filled congregation? I am so thankful for our talented people and our gifted people, but that's not enough. And Lord, we've actually got some fellows in here that can really preach pretty good. But that's not enough. Father, we've got a hospitality team that's second to none. They're friendly. They're welcoming. They shake hands. But that's not enough. I'm thankful for our deacons and our trustees. I'm thankful for our buildings and, our, uh, and the facilities. That's not enough. Father, we need the fire of God here. We need the presence of the Lord here. Oh, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us tonight. Lord, do it, fall fresh on us. Father, maybe you've dealt with somebody here tonight about spiritfulness. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that needs to yield their, themselves to the Spirit of God. Or maybe tonight, somebody needs to make their way to this, this altar and yield their marriage to the Holy Ghost or their child rearing, or their job situation, or their finances, or whatever it may be tonight, they just need to yield themselves to the Spirit of God. Lord, have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you in Christ's name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Why don't we stand tonight all over the house? Our heads are bowed just for a moment. How many are here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. 
and I want you to pray for me. Is there anyone like that here tonight would say, preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody at all? You just slip your hand up tonight. Preacher, pray for me, all right? Far as I can tell, I don't see any hands tonight. And I know this is mainly our folks. But I want to ask you a question, Christian. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You say, well, Pastor, I don't know if I am or not. Well, maybe tonight you need to come like others are coming and just yield yourself tonight. On this February the 5th, 2023, just yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, Spirit of God, fill me. Fill me. Holy Spirit, touch our marriage. Holy Spirit, help our family, help our home. God, help me in rearing our kids. Spirit of God, fall fresh on me. If you need to come, the altars are gonna be open. You come tonight while we wait, you come. So Father, I pray you'll have your way again. Have your way in this invitation. And anybody who needs to make a decision, I pray they'll do it tonight. And Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll help us to leave here with a, a, a desire, an earnest desire to be spirit-led, spirit-filled children of God. Have your way tonight, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's just keep our heads bowed for another moment. And if you need to come, the altars are open. Would you come while we wait? If you're watching our live stream tonight, there's a number on the bottom of your screen. 704-327-5662. And if you're watching this broadcast right now, we are delighted to have you watching. If we can pray with you, if we can help you in any way, especially if we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you, would you call that number on your screen right now? And we have some wonderful folks waiting by the phone and they'd love to speak with you. Would you call us right now? We sure want to be a blessing to you. Anybody else need to make a move?